Good morning, Arbor Church. I'm glad that you're here with us on this Sunday morning. My name is Scott Hetherington, and I have the privilege of sitting here with you today to talk through a conversation that we want to have with all of you today. I want to begin by saying I hope that this comes across as a conversation, not a sermon, not a lecture, but an opportunity as a family just to talk through some things. Um, I was angered and saddened by the killing of George Floyd by a white police officer in Minneapolis on May 25th. This horrific crime highlights numerous previous racist incidents that have happened to black people at the hands of police officers in our country. Yet, we tend to avoid this topic as a church. We remain silent, and our silence makes us complicit in what's happening in our country. I truly feel we need to have an honest conversation about race and racism, and that's what I hope to do today. Let's pray. God, I pray as we walk through this today that you would give us ears that want to hear, hearts that want to listen, and then feet that want to go change the world around us through our love with you. God, I pray that you would use me today to deliver a message that we all need to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to just share that um, a lot of what I'm sharing today, uh, I've been blessed to learn over a journey in my life through friends, family, and colleagues. I've had the blessing of growing up in a mixed-race family with my cousins and extended family. I've had the privilege and benefit of working at Antioch Bible Church, where I had two wonderful black men mentors in my life, Hutch and Alvalette, who taught me so much more. I've had the privilege and love of a best friend in my life, Joey Walker, that's taught me so much. I share these names with you not to name drop. I share these names with you to let you know that this is a journey. I work in Bellevue School District where we've been working for six, seven years or more on racial equity. I've been on racial equity teams there. I'm an affiliate in the district speaking out on these things and trying to transform education. All of that to say, I want you to know is I'm not an expert. I don't have all the answers. I'm not gonna sit here today as a white man and make you think that I have these answers. I'm just sharing with you that I've had the privilege and benefit of learning from others in my life that are willing to point out to me my own growth that is needed and how my shifting and thinking and seeing the world needed to happen. My hope for you today is when we go through this conversation, you know it's coming from a place of care, love, but also a place of anger and that enough is enough. We need to do something as a church, Arbor, and I hope that we can begin to look at what we can do. You need to know what I said about the silence, being complicit, is what I mean about the racism in our country. For years, racism in the United States has resulted in brutality, violence, and death towards black people. Acknowledging generations of systematic racism, inequities, and trauma in the United States upon black people in our country and community is an essential step that we need to take in moving towards healing. We as Christians in the church, we serve the healer of all wounds. We serve the healer of all wrongs. And we need to follow the example of Jesus and the work that he did to reach across all racial lines with his message of love and hope and forgiveness. 
We need to follow that example. And yet for some reason, the church has historically and consistently been behind this movement and this need in our country. We ask why, and I think it's because a lot of us just are not comfortable having these conversations. Um, We're not comfortable with words like white privilege or recognizing that as a white male, I have benefited from being white in this country. That right there creates a lot of feelings inside of people right now as I say that, and I recognize that. But as a majority white congregation, living in a majority white suburb, we need to understand what that means in our life and what that means in the way that we perceive and look at things in the world. It's about raising our awareness. I get that we are all, in the Christian terminology, one race of one blood. I get that since the beginning of time, we've all descended from Adam and Eve according to the book of Genesis. I understand that God loves all people and that we should look at all people equitably and that we should accept all people no matter what. Those are the spiritual biblical ideas that we should want the world to live by. But I'm here to tell you today, that's not the reality. That is not what's happening out in the world. That is specifically not what ha- was what, not what's happening to our black friends and families. That is specifically not what's happening to other people of color. The ideals that we hold up are not being lived out in the world around us. And we need to recognize that reality and validate that reality through the eyes and experience of black people and people of color. Many of us may be feeling uncomfortable at this point right now. I've thrown some words out there. I've said some things that maybe make you feel a little bit under uncomfortable. Um, but I want to share with you that we need to be, we need to be okay with that discomfort. Je- Jesus was all about moving people into discomfort. Everything he did with his disciples would just disrupt the Old Testament law and introduce the New Testament grace and mercy of his salvation. He was constantly pushing back against the religious leaders, pushing them into discomfort, answering their questions with questions, challenging them to grow in their thinking. He, he was all about knowing the only way that we can grow is through discomfort. And so as we go through this today, I want to acknowledge that you're going to experience some discomfort. I also want to acknowledge that I recognize I am a white male. And that as a white male going through this conversation today, I'm coming from my own all right, perspectives and biases and prejudices and experiences in my own life. And I want you to know all that, that I don't have all the answers. And I'm even a bit discomfortable today navigating this conversation with you, but we need to have this courageous conversation. Jesus said in John 15 too, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. While engaging in racial equity work, it has become very clear to me that in order to address racism, we must be transformed from the inward out. We as a white people seem to be asleep and unaware of all that's happening around us, or we say we're aware, but then nothing happens, nothing changes. I want us to think about today how we can renew our mind out of these ways of thinking and shift them to new ways of thinking and seeing the world. Jesus himself was the epitome of racial awareness, and he engaged with people of all races. Romans 12, 2 says this, 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I believe there's some key actions that we must take to truly renew our minds and be transformed as believers. This biblical truth applies to renewing our minds about anything God holds sacred. And scripturally, we know that God holds all people sacred and equal. I talked about this a few weeks ago in my message about Peter when he had the dream of the sheet being dropped down and God told him to go talk to the Gentile centurion. And while there, Peter had this revelation of what God was trying to show to him about not just preaching to the Jews, but going to the Gentiles. And that his message was for all people because God does love all people. And Peter said in here that the meaning of the dream was, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. God does not show favoritism. And it's in that statement that I want you to begin thinking about what are we doing as a church to address the racial inequalities that we're seeing around us, to address the racism that is happening in our community and our country. So we are going back to look at some biblical truths that many of you will recognize as Jesus's salvation message, what he tells about us seeking forgiveness, what he tells us about living a fruitful life for him. These are tenets of the faith that we all hold dear and we know to be true that I also believe can be applied to our life and our work around racial equity. So let's examine these three tenets that Jesus shares are essential for spiritual growth. First one, confess. This is where we come to a personal awareness of our sin in the eyes of Christ. Two, repent. Turn away from your sinful beliefs, behaviors. It's the idea repent means to actually do a 180 turn and go a different direction from the way that you're living, not to live in that lifestyle anymore because we're new creatures. And then to live. Live and act differently in the spirit. Follow Christ's righteousness. Do not return to your old way, but continue to live and produce the fruit of Christ in your life. In Christ, we're called to search our hearts and to seek the Holy Spirit to reveal anything that hinders this process from happening to us in a daily basis. Because while there's one confession that leads to salvation, there's an ongoing confession of our lives and our lives to have the Holy Spirit reveal to us what we need to turn away from. In order to address the evil of racism, we must be willing to look at ourselves first and execute and examine what is in our mind and heart. I know that I need to be transformed and renewed from within. It is only by being open to any bias, prejudice, fear, experience that I have in my mind that I can truly begin to be transformed by Christ and renewed in my thinking about this topic and this work that we need to do. Confession, awareness. I want to talk to you about that. I don't want you to think about just confession as confessing a wrong that you've done. I want you to think about it as coming to Christ seeking an awareness. As it says in Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know that my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The confession I'm talking about means agreeing with God that something in our lives is wrong. We, we come to a realization of a wrong and we see the harm that it's caused. 
we see how it was not in alignment with who we truly are or what we wanted to do in that moment. Confession is awareness. In the context of the Scripture, it's becoming aware of any sin, wrongdoing, habits you have that interfere in your relationship and walk with Christ. Confession in the realm of racial equity and looking at racism is asking God to reveal any bias, prejudice, racism that you may have in your heart and mind that you're not aware of. It, it's a practice that many of, our, many of us as Christians practice on a daily basis in our devotions and our meditation. And yet, I don't always see us make us bridge that gap into other areas of our life. Examining ourselves in the realm of racial equity and racism is an essential work for us to do, and I would dare say very essential for us to do as a white male it is for me. Because I understand that in my worldview, my perspective, I want to consciously be aware all the time of the people that I'm interacting with, that I'm not doing it in a way that hinders relationship. Just as we don't want to interact with Christ in a way that hinders our relationship. We need to become aware of any bias or prejudice that may be influencing our beliefs, behaviors, and thoughts. I don't, I don't want anybody to be offended by this. This is an important point for, for, me to under, for you to understand. This isn't about you being a bad person. This isn't about if we find out we have a bias or discover we have a prejudice. We're talking about things that makes us a bad person. It's about awareness. And if we become aware and we don't take action on it, that's where we're in error. But we're also in error if we don't sit down with Christ and say, Lord, is there anything in my life and my heart that I have not examined that you need to address racially? Is there any bias in my life that I have not asked you to address? Any prejudice? Any former experience that is influencing the way I look at a people group? I fear that if we don't do that, we're missing out on a wonderful opportunity for God to transform and renew our mind. This acknowledgement and this awareness is a necessary doorway and step to beginning to learn and engage in racial equity. It begins with myself, my own reflection. I do want to warn, though, that for many, this confession can be, <laughs> for lack of a better word, it can it can almost be a drug. It can almost be a high that when you come to a realization and awareness in your life, oh my gosh, I feel so bad. And we run to tears and confession and we feel awful. And then we get encouraged because I'm not going to do that anymore. And I'm sorry, I want to make it right. And we live in this euphoric moment of this awareness and realization that, wow, I just had this epiphany that, of how I need to behave and operate differently. And we want to feel good about ourselves. And for the most part, we do a good job of putting our arms around people in those moments. And Christ puts his arms around us. But we can't stay in confession. We can't just remain there. Confession is the first doorway of awareness. If you want to talk about racism, if you want to be aware of race in our country, if you want to be aware of racial inequalities and injustices in our country, you need to first begin with your own awareness of what is going on inside of your experiences, your story, and your mind. I need to begin with myself. That's why should confession should always be followed by 
repentance. Confession and repentance are not the same thing. Believers are called to live a sanctified life, one that is set apart from God and his purposes. Confession and repentance are linked components of sanctification. To not have one without the other leaves us operating in our human flesh, our earthly mindset. It just simply satisfies our ego and the way we feel about ourselves. Repentance, to repent, is to turn, to change. Repentance is our heartfelt sorrow for the sin followed by a sincere commitment to forsake it. The belief, behavior, action, lifestyle, habits, and walk in obedience to Christ. It's a recognition that I just had this awareness. I now need to turn and see what I need to do differently. And it's in that turning to do differently that you begin to allow God to work in your life. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, 8 through 11, I am not sorry that I sent you that severe letter to you. Though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. Now I'm glad I sent it. Not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow that God wants his people to have. So you were not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Repentance, a turn to God and his goodness, his righteousness, his love. Um, Repentance doesn't require feet dragging. It doesn't require giving God excuses. It doesn't require, it just requires a turning, a changing of the heart to follow God. He said in this verse, Paul did, about godly sorrow, moving away from wrong and evil. He says it's away from sin towards salvation. What is salvation, folks? Salvation is a renewing of who we are in Christ. Recognizing that left to ourselves, we are sin. We cannot escape that. It's that sorrow of needing God in our life that makes us turn towards him. Worldly sorrow is, sure, we recognize that there's evil and bad things, but we're not turning to God to help us fix that or change that or redeem us. So when I, as a leader, and I as a father, I as a friend, look at what is happening in our country, what has been happening for centuries in our country around racism and racial injustice. I can't help but link my response to God through my salvation journey to how I need to be engaging in other avenues of my life to make sure I'm exemplifying that same mindset, renewal, and transformation. I need to be willing to learn. I need to be willing to sit down and say, God, what do you need to teach me? What is it I don't know that I don't know? Examples of confession without repentance are like a person recognizing a biased behavior and not making a consistent effort to change that behavior. It's someone in your family that keeps saying they're sorry for something 
over and over and over. And while you accept their confession, there's a part of you that says, okay, when's it just going to stop? When's it going to change? I don't want you to look at this as me telling you that you have a bias. You have a prejudice. That's not what I'm saying today. What I'm saying is, I'll speak personal and locally for myself. What I have learned on this journey about myself is this, is if I am unwilling to look at the racial inequity and the racism in our country and what has happened to black people specifically in the history of our country for centuries, if I'm not willing to look at that and examine myself for any thing that I can learn within myself that I may be doing unaware in the way that I interact with people, the way I talk to people, talk about people, my behavior, my leadership, my perception, my unwillingness to listen and validate, any of that. If I'm not asking God to reveal any of that to me, then I'm not living the life that Christ has called me to live. Because for me, the core thing is to build relationship. You have to listen. You have to learn. You have to validate. Validate doesn't mean you agree. It means you validate and recognize where the person is coming from. It's connected to empathy. I feel like I get frustrated because as a white leader, as a white male, I see the church that I love want to change the story and the script anytime we get near racism or anytime we get near talking about racial inequality. We want to change a script and make a but and, but we're not all like that, but not all people are bad, but not all people are racist, but not all. I need to tell you today, just from my heart, nobody is saying that all people are racist. Nobody is saying all white people are racist. Nobody is saying all police officers are bad. Nobody is saying all um, schools are bad. Nobody is saying all people are bad. The repentance and confession that I'm trying to get you to understand is an awareness and acknowledgement that we watched just most recently a black man, George Floyd in Minneapolis, die in the hands of a police officer. That is not something you can argue as it was right in front of us. But what I'm saying is, what does that incident share to us as what do we do as believers and Christians? Not as your role in life, not as your job in life, not as who you are, but as your role as a child of God. It is incumbent upon us that, it is incumbent upon me I'll make this about me, that I had to sit down and once again ask, what are you trying to show me, God? What are you trying to tell me? And let me be clear that the reactions that we've seen in our news are not just about George Floyd. That's the most recent amplifier. It's about historical oppression that has happened to black people in our country and people of color. And all I'm asking today, that as the church, 
we make sure that we are going before Christ. And the same confession and repentance that we use to Him in our spiritual walk, usually on a daily basis in our lives, we use when it comes to the harm, injustice, and hurt that we see happening. The racist behaviors and systematic racism, the institutions of racism that have been provocated in our country that we're asking ourselves, what can I do? What do I need to know about myself? I really want you to know that it begins with your personal, local, and immediate. If I'm going to have an answer to this, I have to begin with myself. Once I have gone and asked for an awareness, for God to reveal anything in my heart, whatever He reveals, I need to be ready to take that and then in an act of repentance, turn and determine how I'm going to respond differently than I've been responding before. I'm really hesitant to even share an analogy because for me they pale in comparison to what I'm trying to share with you today. It'd be no different than if you had a broken relationship with one of your children. You didn't know what was happening. You asked God to reveal, is there anything I'm doing that's creating this harm and this distance and this separation between me and my child? And God spoke to you and put something on your heart. He says to go and make it right. He says to go and change. You would change your behavior. You would change your perception. I feel like I'm yelling and preaching again. And I feel like I get into this mode and I don't want to do that with you. I want to sit here and just have an honest conversation in this whole, you're on a screen watching this on a Sunday. I'm recording this. It's very difficult. So I'm going to leave that there. Then we need to really engage in confession and repentance. Not because I'm saying you did something wrong but I want you to look at the, the heart of confession, the heart of repentance as being open and vulnerable. There's a good word, vulnerable to God, to have anything inside of you revealed that could be offensive to Him and thus offensive to others. And if He shows you that, we need to turn and begin to learn and act in a different way. That brings us to the last tenet that I want to share, and that is live. Now, how do we live? After we've confessed, after we've been made aware of this and we realize we can't live in confession and just constantly saying, I'm aware, I'm aware, I'm aware, and we're not trying to live repentance. Repentance is living change, a turn direction. And I think you're all getting that connection. We can't just live in confession. We have to start living in repentance, which is a changed life living in a different direction. So then we're living, we're looking forward in that life of what we're living. How do we live? Well, I think we could all lay out how we're supposed to live in Christ. We meditate on His Word. Um, Christ summed it up very, very, very efficiently when He's asked, what are the greatest commandments? How should we live now? And He said in Matthew 22, 37 through 39, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. If we are to love as Christ loves, then I'll be honest, I have some work I must do. Just as many, just, just how many times I read and study scriptures to know God better, 
and his precepts better, so I must exercise the same reading and studying around racism. If I truly want to be able to address it and converse about it and make a change for the better, I have to study that as much as I study the scriptures to know what I need to do in Christ. I, I can hear some of you thinking, I can hear people's responses because I've been engaged in these conversations that, well, if you just live out the Bible, God will help you do everything you need to do. I don't disagree that God gives us the answers of how we need to live our life. But no differently than, no differently than we would go if we wanted to help with poverty. We're going to go study and learn everything we can about poverty. If we want to help those recovering from addiction, we're going to go learn everything we can about addiction and hear from people with addiction. If we want to begin to address homelessness, we're going to engage in conversations and learning and research about homelessness and talk to people that are homeless. If we're going to engage in anything that we want to address and change as believers in Christ, we do our studying. We do our own research and lifting and meditating on the Word of God, so we need to also reach out beyond and begin to study. It's, a, it's, it's to me, such a simple concept that we do all the time. And yet, because of the polarizing nature that we've made race in our country or racism in our country, I just feel that it creates a tension, especially with white people of not recognizing we avoid the topic. We really don't talk about it. And we really don't do anything on our side to learn for ourselves. Please do not make the mistake that I'm asking when I'm asking you to live in awareness and live and learn that do not run to your friends and family and colleagues of color and ask them to begin educating you. Um, I'm just sharing with you, people of color are fatigued. I have learned that I need to do the work on my own. I need to learn that I need to read, research. There are time to have conversations with people in your life that trust you and will have conversations with you. There are times to get a group of people that are from multi-races together and have conversations. But the day-to-day -day living is our responsibility. And as I said that, I just thought right now, this is exactly what we say in discipleship. Church is here for us to gather and be encouraged and get edified and, you know, taught the scripture. Small groups are for accountability and holding, you know, helping us grow in Christ. But in the end, in the end is not our relationship our work with Christ and individual renewal and change every day. If I want to be a racial equity leader for the children in my school, if I want to educate my children on the racist history that we have in this country, if I want to respond to the current events that I have been seeing around me with a racial equitable lens, I can't do that if I haven't done my own internal work. If you want to live with a stronger racial equity lens, if you want to learn to converse about racism and 
have conversations about racism and actually do some things about the racism in our country, then you're going to have to put in an effort. You're going to have to put in some research and reading and, and navigating that. I'm trying to make really hard today a connection between three tenets that we all are very aware of as Christians to an atrocity that has happened in our community, in our country. And it's not the first time. And I can't promise it won't be the last time. And this is not about who's bad or who's not bad. It's not about castigating a group of people or, you know, work or whatever people do into a category. It's about you stopping and realizing there's something wrong. There's something that needs to be addressed. No different than at one point in your life, you came to a realization that there is something broken about you. And maybe that's where I'm trying to get to today. It's about a brokenness. We live in a broken world. Everybody around us is broken. I'm broken. And one day I finally had this realization, I'm broken without Christ. And I went to him and I confessed, I'm broken. There's this broken world I'm living in. What can I do about it? He says, come to me. Be aware that you need me. I made that awareness. He says, now turn and walk with me in your brokenness. So I began to do that. And in that walk, he began to teach me how I need to live in him. That's what I want you to make the connection with today. Church, we need to converse and talk about race. We need to begin to look at racism more earnestly as a church of Christ. I hope that somehow I've made some connections today between this idea of confession being personal reflection of asking God to examine my own heart, look for any bias that may exist within me, to reflect on my own racial story and experiences. I hope I've made a connection that repentance is changing my ways, my behavior and beliefs by turning away from any bias or fear or former experiences that I've had and walking in God's truth towards racial equity. I hope that I've made the connection that the live that I need to live is to study, read, inform myself about racism, beginning to speak against racism and engaging in conversations about race. So as I've tried to make a connection between those three spiritual tenets that I know we hold in our Christian walks and beliefs to how we should look at racial equity, I hope you know that I'm coming from a space that I truly believe God is asking the church, God is asking us to be more aware, to be more proactive, to be more vocal against the racism and racial inequities that are, we see in our country. As I witnessed the protests both locally and nationally this weekend, I, I recalled that these protests were in response to the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis on May 25th. 
And this particular instance served as an amplifier for what has historically been happening to black lives in America since our inception. I wanted to address this racism in the United States that is manifested in the brutality, violence towards black people and the racial injustices that we've seen historically in our country. I know those are uncomfortable words. I know that right now we can't have this conversation, but I invite it. We must seek to understand the realities that happen around us. It is not enough to just feel sad, angry, upset, or broken over this. As a Christian, I am Christ's ambassador. I need to seek to represent Christ in all that I do. And that includes my own learning, my own reflection, and my own growth around race, racism, racial injustice. That includes my own reading and learning and reflection around the history of black people in our country, of people of color in our country. And I would be remiss if I didn't also do some research around the silence, unfortunately, too often of the Christian community. Well, I recognize that there were moments in history where that happened. I'm not denying that. I'm trying to intentionally disrupt us a little bit today and move us into some discomfort. I'm trying to continually disrupt myself at times so that I don't become so comfortable in the own blessing and privilege that I have as a white person to navigate this world in a more safe manner than some family members that I have who are black. It's a different reality. It's not the same experience. And we validate that experience in so many other areas of our lives as Christians and people. We validate the experience of those that have gone through addiction. We validate the experience of those that have gone through loss. We validate the experience of those who've had trauma. We validate the experience of those fill in the blank. Yet for some reason, I, us, seem to struggle with validating the experience and life of black people and people of color in our country, in our community, in our very own neighborhood, and dare I say perhaps in our very own families. I want to close by telling you I'm sure, I'm sure that this conversation, this whatever it was, it came, how it came across today has created lots of different feelings and thoughts and reactions. And in a perfect world, we could stand here and talk and engage more. 
I'm open to have that conversation with you anytime. I'm, I'm making this up on the fly. This was not scripted. I'm going to give Jake um, my email. Um, I will give Jake my cell number. I am open to you reaching out to me. And even if it's on a text, a phone call, an email, I want to have a conversation. I want to learn. I want to hear your perspective. I want to learn from your thoughts. If we are going to engage in changing the racism in this country, then we have to begin with ourselves. And that is really what I wanted to talk about today. I wanted to acknowledge that there are people hurting in our community because of what they've experienced at the hands of racial injustice, racial violence, racial, whatever you want to put after that. Systems that have been created that perpetuate that racism in our country. Let's not let the church be that. Let's not let ourselves be that. I do not want to let myself be somebody that perpetuates racism in my circle of influence. So I will go before God and say, show me anything inside of me, God, that I need to be aware of. I thank you for listening today. I honestly do hope that down the road we can have a venue where we can sit in a room and talk through these things. I hope that we can have an opportunity to engage in more conversations. Um, I don't think anybody realizes how awkward this is in an empty room with a camera on. And I'm trying to talk in an authentic manner. Um, but I'm just going to close this in some prayer. Let's do that. God, I thank you that we have to have these tough conversations. I thank you that you are a God that knows all things. And we in our finite beings are trying to figure some things out. But God, I do know that what happened to George Floyd was wrong. I do know that racism is wrong. I do know that what has happened historically to black people in our country is wrong. And God, I know that as a child of God, I have a responsibility. I have, it's bigger than that, God. It's a calling in our lives to be a light in this world. God, I call upon your strength. I call upon the church that we would take some time in these next few days to look inward, to see what you are trying to tell us about ourselves so we could learn and turn and we can to live in a way that addresses the evil of racism in our country and the harm that it does. I thank you, Jesus, for your truth. May you reveal it to us individually and each and every one of us as we need. In your name, amen.